What's up, everybody? I am Brett L. Pape, and I am with Coach Bruce, and this is the trade deadline edition of the Coach Approach. Coach, what a wild-ass day yesterday was, huh? Absolute craziness. So I heard, I think it was Adam Schefter that said that it was the most trades that happened on the final day of the trade deadline. I think there was 10, I think 12 players involved. Yep. It happened on the very last day. I think it's twice as the last time. I think the record was like five or something. I could be a little bit off on that. But the point is, it was a massive day. It was an exciting day. And it, it was cool, man. It's almost becoming like fantasy football, right? Like you're seeing all these trades that happen every single week and people posting their takes all over Twitter. And, you know, it's kind of cool that we get to analyze some some pretty cool trades yesterday. Yeah, it was cool. And I, I think it's kind of a further indication that the NFL is changing. Uh, they're not afraid to trade future draft picks. They're not afraid to make deals in the middle of the season like we saw yesterday. Yeah. And a lot of that, from I, I was uh, listening to some podcasts. You and I probably listen to more podcasts than anyone. But someone was talking about when they switched it from the trade deadline being on week six to week eight, the activity has increased. And a lot of that is because they have further, they have more time to evaluate if they are a seller or a buyer. Um, whatever the reason, it was a hell of a lot of fun. Let's jump right into it. The first deal doesn't have much uh, relevance as it relates to football this year or fantasy football. That's because the Jacksonville Jaguars acquired Calvin Ridley from Atlanta for draft compensation that can be worth a maximum of 2023 fifth-round pick and a 2024 second-round pick. We bring up the fact that it's not relevant this year only because as you know, Calvin Ridley is on a one-year suspension for gambling. Um, but regardless, I love this move for both teams, Coach. Yeah, you know, it's funny because there's all this banter about Arthur Smith. You know, is he doing a great job? He's 4-4. Four and four, He's doing more with less. And there's fantasy guys and football guys that, that say, yeah, but he's not developing, you know, Kyle Pitts and Drake London. And why do you take him in the first round at the draft capital they have if you're not going to utilize those guys? But – Keeping that stuff aside, it's almost like Calvin really is watching what's going on and watching what this offense is and is saying, hey, if you can't get targets to Kyle Pitts and Drake London, as good as those athletic, those profiles were coming out of college, I don't want anything to do with being the third a third receiver in this offense, a pass catcher. I'm going to – I want out. So I think it worked out for both sides. And for Doug Peterson, uh, he gets another weapon in Jacksonville. Um, really, he's going to be 28 when and the, and the next season starts. He's, he gets cleared, I think, in February is when that suspension gets lifted. Um, he's going to be 28. You got Christian Kirk, who's got four years left. You have Zay Jones, who's got three years left. You have Marvin Jones on a two-year deal. He'll have another year left. Evan Ingram's going to be a free agency. He's starting to kind of peak a little bit, kind of get more involved. Um, so you could see them re-sign him. And then Travis Etienne's on, and Trevor Lawrence are on rookie contracts. So there's a lot to like about what Jacksonville and Doug Peterson is doing. Even though they're not winning the number of games, I think they would like to. There's certainly been enough of them. So. I like it, and I like it for Calvin Ridley. You know, he gets a fresh start, and it's an opportunity for him. I think the talent is is there. Uh, 2020, over 140 targets, 90 grabs, 1,400 yards, nine touchdowns in 15 games. I mean, if he's mentally ready, if he's mentally there, right? I think we talked about that a little bit before the show. If his head's in the right space and, and he's ready to go, I think it's going to be a great addition for Jacksonville. And, and Look, if you're sitting on the other side with Arthur Smith, you know, you pick up potentially a second round pick in 2024. It's a win-win, yeah, I think. Right. It's definitely a win-win for both teams. Uh, but since it's a, it was such a crazy day, let's move on to the next one. The Miami Dolphins acquired Bradley Chubb and a 2025 fifth round pick 
from the Denver Broncos in exchange for a 2023 first, a 2024 fourth, and running back Chase Edmonds. As it relates to fantasy football, this really only affects uh, people who manage uh, teams with Chase Edmonds on it. As it relates to uh, real-life football, this is obviously a, an indication that they, as they should be, they're not only all in on Tua, they're all in on this season. Yeah, I'll make a few points on the Dolphins, and I'll kind of give you a Broncos perspective. But, you know, for the Dolphins, this trade, I think, has a direct impact on their confidence in Tua Tonga-Vailoa, right? I think going into last year with the injuries in the hip, there were some question marks about, does he have the arm strength? Can he be an NFL quarterback? Can he be a guy with his personality that can lead a group of 53 grown-ass men in a locker room? And I think he certainly answered those questions with the addition of Tyreek Hill. Uh, but now, you know, you had the two first-round picks come, you should have had coming in this year. You got the one from the Niners, then you had your own. Well, because of the Tom Brady tampering, they lost their own. And now you trade the one for the 49ers, and you're basically saying, hey, we're all in on Tua Tonga by low, or that may have been a, a spot where we might have considered, you know, a quarterback in that location. But um, the Dolphins ranked 23rd in sacks, 28th in quarterback pressures, and they needed a pass rusher. I think this team, we, we love the roster construction that started back when Brian Flores was there. So I like what they're doing with that roster construction, how they're building the roster. Now you got a guy like Bradley Chubb, who I think is when he's healthy, is outstanding. He brings, he's got five and a half sacks on the year. And then for the Broncos, you know, they pick up the draft capital and they pick up pass catching back in Edmonds because you've got Latavius Murray, who's 32. You've got Melvin Gordon, who's 29. Um, as much as we can appreciate what they have done over the course of their careers, they're not the third down pass catchers that can catch the ball in open space and make people miss and get you, you know, take a 10 yard um, opportunity and turn it into a 30, 40, 50 yard, you know, reception. So I think it's a good for the Broncos to be able to add that piece in that offense. So I think it's, I think that also is a trade you can look at and say, Hey, it's a win-win for both sides. Absolutely. And for Chase Edmonds, it's a win-win because yeah. they, they uh, he was the guy that a lot of people, a lot of analysts um, coming into the season. I was one of them. High, you know, on his opportunity that he was going to get uh, with Miami this year, and it just kind of hasn't worked out that way with the way Raheem Mostert's played. Um, so with that being said, uh, Javante Williams' his injury made this deal oh. both necessary for Denver and also – something that may help managers who roster Chase Edmonds. All right, moving on to my favorite deal of the day, a day and that's because, uh, and this is in fantasy uh, worldwide, it's my favorite, and that's the Chicago Bears acquiring Chase Claypool from the Pittsburgh Steelers in exchange for a 2023 second-round pick. Um, first thoughts, man, they like themselves some Justin Fields over the last few weeks. Second thoughts is uh, – you know what, Chase, or excuse me, uh, Mr. Claypool is going to have an opportunity to be a true one receiver until they draft one in the future. But I love this deal for them. And I, I saw so many people rip them saying that that is way too much draft capital for that guy. But I disagree. I think it's a, it's a great opportunity to show your young quarterback you believe in him and give him more weapons because obviously coming into the year, all we heard about was how he had no weapons. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about Chase Claypool, the player, and then we'll talk about how that ties into the Bears. But with Chase Claypool, he had 30 targets, 21 grabs, 230 yards, and a touchdown over the last four weeks. That's seven targets per – a little over seven targets per game, 7.5 to be exact. So he was relevant. He was starting to kind of catch on. Kenny Pickett was trying to use him. I love the idea of using a 6'4 guy as a skill set that he has as that big slot guy. 
um, in Pittsburgh. And unfortunately, because of quarterback play, it hasn't really panned out. So I like this. You're adding him to Darnell Mooney. You're adding him to Cole Komet. This is a guy in his first two years, averaged 107 targets, um, had 121 grabs, over 1,700 yards and 11 touchdowns. Now, granted, a lot of that, as we talked about before the show, was during his rookie season. You've kind of seen him regress since then. But I think the talent is there. I don't think he's as talented as he thinks he is. Right. You've seen him come out in the offseason and say he thinks he's one of the best wide receivers in the league. I certainly wouldn't put him in that category. But do I think is a very viable RB2 that has some low end RB1 upside? Wide receiver, not RB. Wide, wide receiver. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, and, right. I, and I think what Matt Everflus has done with Justin Fields in that offense over the last several weeks, um, Justin Fields has been a QB5 last week, he was a QB5 in week seven, a QB5 or a QB8 in week six. He's the overall QB two between week six through eight. So you're seeing him progress a little bit more in the passing game. You're seeing David Montgomery and, and Khalil Herbert get the running game going, which opens up the play action and, and the bootleg things that they're doing, moving the pocket. So I like this for the bears. I, I like love it. For the bears. I love it. Yeah, yeah, I do too. And they picked up another second rounder with a different trade that came actually earlier in the week. We'll talk about that as well. But with that being said, I like this a lot. Uh, let's move on. This is kind of a weird deal because uh, over the years, it was very odd when you saw teams from the same division make trades with each other. But that's exactly what we saw yesterday when we saw the Minnesota Vikings acquiring tight end TJ Hawkinson, a 23 fourth round pick and a 24 conditional fourth round pick from the Detroit Lions in change for a second rounder in 2023 and a 2024 third round pick. My first thoughts are they get Hawkinson. They get two picks back. Now, granted, one of the picks is two picks further than the second round pick, and the other one's one pick further back than the third. And they get the tight end that they've been coveting. I think it's a, it's a great deal for Minnesota. Look, I, I think Minnesota's playing some good football right now, and I think they're basically saying, hey, we're all in. And, and it's a big upgrade over Irv Smith. I think from an athletic profile, everybody wanted Irv Smith to be the guy. That hasn't happened. You have Hawkinson, who's 25 years old. He was a pro bowler in 2020. Um, he become, he does become the second option, I think, behind Justin Jefferson. And of course, you have Adam Thielen, who's still very viable. Dalvin Cook is using the passing game. But I love this move for Minnesota. I love it for TJ Hawkinson, um, who was a clear third option. And you have Jameson Williams coming back, you know, with Swift and and, and Amon St. Brown and what they're doing in Detroit. So I think it's great for him. I think it's great for Minnesota. And, you know, through 47 career games, you know, 2019 to 22, Hawkins has got almost 300 targets, almost 200 grabs for over 2,000 yards and 15 touchdowns. The kid can play. He's an athlete. He's good after the catch. And I think Minnesota, with, especially with what I love even more, is not to get too much into coach speak, but what Kevin O'Connell can do, he becomes a Tyler Higby in the Minnesota offense. You're going to see more tight end screens. Like you see McVay use Higby with the Rams. I think you're going to see a little bit more of that. Um, Hawkinson, Hawkinson has a, athleticism to do that. So I'm, I'm really excited to see because now it's just another piece of what you can do in a Kevin O'Connell offense because now you add that Tyler Higby type player at the tight end position that's more athletic than Tyler Higby. So if you right, get the same that, I, Higby gets, it's lights out for sure. I, I wanted to interrupt you a few times when you brought up yeah. Higby. The, the difference in their athletic ability and just – Playmaking ability is completely different. I, I think Hawkinson is is much better player. So if we 100%. see those type of plays being di designed for him, 
you got to love it if you have Hawkinson on your team. All right, moving on. This trade, look, they've been talking about all year long. They've been trying to get that pass catching back in the offense, and that's the Buffalo Bills acquiring Naheem Hines um, from the Colts. They give up Zach Moss, and I'll tell you what, I'm so glad Fantasy Receipts hasn't gone back and looked at some of my tweets about Zach Moss because there was no bigger fan of Zach Moss than me. But obviously it hasn't worked out. I don't see him having much of a role with the Colts, but that's here or there, and a conditional six-round pick. Um, any concerns? What do, what do you think this does for James Cook, for starters? And secondly, football-wise, holy shit, do they get richer or what? Yeah, and, and what's crazy, I, Buffalo's already the best offense in the NFL. And now you're going to add a Naheem Hines, and, and we'll get to his career numbers here in a second. But for James Cook, I hate it, right? I like James Cook coming out of Georgia, splitting time with Zamir White um, coming out and being a guy that I thought was really going to feel that pass catching role. I can't remember who it was. Buffalo was trying to get in the offseason, the pass catching back. I don't know why it's slipping my mind right now, but they didn't get him. So they end up drafting James Cook. Now you're like, okay, James Cook apparently is not that dude, which is ironic because you lost, watched the Buffalo game from last week. I felt like they got James Cook a little bit more involved. You got to see what he could do in open space. So right. a little bit surprising there um, from a James Cook ownership perspective. You know, I hate it, but I love it for Naheem Hines, who was stuck in a, an organization with the Colts that, that seems like it's spiraling backwards. But he's going to take over all that pass-catching role in the number one offense in the NFL. That They average 308 yards passing per game. Um, Heinz has the fifth most receiving yards since 2018 behind only Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara, CMC, and James White. That's pretty lofty numbers. Now you put him in Buffalo with Josh Allen and, and what they're doing there with Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis right. and Dawson Knox and Khalil Shakur, and you can go on and on and on, Isaiah McKenzie. And, well, I think for Zach Moss, right, if you had shares of Zach Moss and you thought Zach Moss might be a thing, Nothing changed. He's the RB3 in Indy with JT. I think Deion Jackson is the guy that's the RB2. You know, you might see some short yardage late in the game for it's a blowout, him get some reps, but I think it's Deion Jackson and JT's backfield moving forward, which oh, I love absolutely. it for Deion Jackson. I have a lot of shares of Deion Jackson, so I love it for him. Yeah, he was I, – I sat here kind of waiting, and I'm still looking at my phone for a notification in my home league. Uh, I don't know how you do uh, free agents in your home league. We don't do fab. We don't do based off a record. We do based off real money being spent. So I decide that I want to play or uh, acquire somebody. I put them up for 43 bucks, whatever it may be. So I, I did put Deion Jackson up this week. So I'm hoping that uh, any minute now I find out that I got him. Um, let's move on to the next one. Ravens I like the real, real cash feel, though. Say that again. I like the real cash feel, though, man. I love it. You know it. what? I, I like it, too, because what it does, it builds up the pot. And, you know, it gives – I don't mind being aggressive. I overspend a lot. And I miss a lot. I mean, you're going to – in yeah. midseason, when you're taking flyers on a guy like maybe a Keontae Ingram three weeks ago and you spend 42 bucks on him because he scores a touchdown on a Monday night game and he's done nothing since, that's yeah. just – but there's also times where – you spend 15 bucks on a James Robinson prior to week one of his rookie year, and you just got an RB1 for virtually nothing as it relates to, you know, draft capital. All right, let's 100%. move on. Uh, Rokon, uh, Rokon Smith, linebacker, one of the best offside linebackers in the NFL, is traded to the Ravens for a 2023 second-round pick and a 2000. 
23 fifth round pick and linebacker AJ Klein. Any thoughts on this coach, even though it doesn't really relate to fantasy football? Well, you know, and I'm not a guy, I always joke around. I played in a few leagues or IDP leagues. I actually won a cut two out of three last year. Um, <laughs> but I'm not an IDP guy. I still draft all my offensive guys. I play the wave of wire on the defensive side and I figure it out. But um, from a real football perspective, obviously I think it's great for the Ravens. I think the great Ravens feel like, Hey, as long as we have Lamar Jackson, we have an opportunity to make a run in the playoffs. As long as we have Mark Andrews, we have a chance to make a run. You've seen Devin DeVarnay, Demarcus Robinson, step up. Rashad Bateman missing games. You're getting Gus Edwards back. You're going to get JK Dobbins back here in a couple of weeks. So I think there's things to be excited about. I mean, even though they haven't necessarily played on a week-to-week basis as consistent as I think Ravens fans would like, adding a guy like Roquan Smith is absolutely massive. I mean, you take that um, in, into not only what he's done over the course of his career, but the leadership he brings in the locker room. You add that to, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul, a Patrick Queen who was a first-round draft pick a couple years ago, uh, Marcus Peters at corner, uh, Marlon Humphrey at corner. I mean, this is a, a defense, Clayus Campbell, as old as he is, still playing defensive end can still get it done. But I think there's some pieces on this Ravens defense that make a lot of sense. And Roquan Smith is a guy that can run sideline to sideline and flat out make plays. So I think it's a great addition for, for the Baltimore Ravens. For the bears, you know, this is another deal. They, a lot of people felt like they gave up or I should say they, uh, they overpaid for Chase Claypool and they felt like they didn't get enough from Roquan. But if you were a bears fan during the summer, you saw that Smith sat out most of the summer and what they now, what do they call those holdouts? Sit in, hold out. Um, yeah. But anyways. A play in. He, he, I he can't did, remember what the term is. Yeah. Right. But he didn't, he was, he was holding out essentially, finally came back. He doesn't have an agent dealing with him and his desire to get $20 million a year. I think a second rounder and a fifth rounder, get rid of the headache and, and you yeah. know, develop for the future. So I, I like the deal for both teams as well. Last one, Dolphins, or last one that really relates to fantasy football. I, I like this deal for uh, for the Dolphins. I know you're a big Jeff Wilson guy. I, I don't know if I'm a big Jeff Wilson guy because of his injury history, but given the opportunity when he's in there, he produces and he looks good. And if you have him, you just were kind of shot in the arm when a guy named CMC was traded to San Francisco now you get kind of like a second birth, and he's going to be in there with – I mean, basically, uh, McDaniel now has the San Francisco backfield from 2020 to 2022 yeah. with him now having Mostert and Wilson. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, – I think it clears a path, first and foremost, for Elijah Mitchell, who, who is projected right now to come back and return in week 10. The San Francisco is on a bye week because now you get Jeff Wilson out of that backfield. Obviously, you've added CMC, which hurts Elijah Mitchell overall. But at least you now know he's the clear RB2. So for people that have Elijah Mitchell, there is an opportunity there. Um, Tyrion Davis-Price could see more RB2 looks as Elijah Mitchell is probably on a pitch count when he returns. So that's a guy that could bump up a little bit in deeper leagues. Uh, but Wilson joins former teammate Raheem Mostert. You just talked about it in Miami along with head coach Mike McDaniel, who spent some time in San Francisco in 2021. He was the OC. Very familiar with both of those guys. Um, I think Wilson becomes a clear RB2 behind Mostert. I do think that Mostert still continues to take the lead. He's played well. He's been healthy. But I do like the one-two punch this creates in Miami. Now that Chase Edmonds is out, those are the two guys. I mean, those, that's your one and that's your two. That's what you're going to roll with. And um, Mostert's average over, I think what's interesting is over the last 
what is it, four games, I think it is, uh, 15 carries, or sorry, five games, has averaged more than 15 carries over the last five games, along with 374 yards, which is 75 yards per game rushing over the last five. Now you had Jeff Wilson. Miami's figuring out that run game, and I think you just improved it with Jeff Wilson. So, it, it, again, allows more opportunity for play action, for RPO game, which Tua Tonga, by the way, is really good at. And guys that can stretch teams vertically, you have the fastest one-two punch in the NFL with with Tyreek Hill and, and uh, Jalen Waddle. So, I like it. All right. That's it for the trades. The other trades were a cornerback on from Kansas City, a cornerback, whatever. They're, they're not really related to fantasy football nevertheless right. it was it was fun to follow twitter yesterday for things other than you know the drama that goes on in the community at times and just wait for adam Schefter uh tweets to tell us who's been traded all right let's get into the week eight injuries this is the first show on a wednesday where we didn't have to leave with injuries because nobody like a Brees Hall the week before or like a you know trey lance in week two nobody of significance and suffered anything serious. We had one reels good scare, and we're going to start off with that one. Cooper Cup injures his ankle in the last minute of the loss to San Francisco. However, fortunately, and this is the game they were losing. They were losing big. There was no reason for him to be in there at that time. Is and if you don't believe me, all you had to do is tune into Twitter about three thirty on a Sunday afternoon yeah. to read all about that. But luckily, they appear to be dodging a bullet. And he's expected to play this week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I think what's interesting about Cooper Cup and, and try not to elaborate too much and the the issues with the Rams. But look, the Rams are three and four. They're in third place in the NFC West behind San Francisco at four and four, who seems to, with the addition of CMC, are going to start rocking, I think. And then you've got Seattle at five and three. Certainly the surprise team in that division. But you get Van Jefferson back in the mix. Um, they've got to find a way to move the football outside of Cooper Cup. We know what Cooper Cup can do. He can get you 10 to 15 grabs a week. He's going to get you 12 to 15, you know, 20 targets per week, it seems like. So we know what we have there. But I think the bigger issue with with them is you've got to figure out with Ronnie Rivers, um, Cam Akers, obviously know what's going on there. And with Darrell Henderson, they've got to be able to establish the run. The offensive line is just not giving them that opportunity. But if you're a Cooper Cup owner, especially if you took him as the overall wide receiver one and you need him as we're getting closer and closer to the end of the trade deadlines that come up, come up in most fantasy leagues, usually end around week 12, week 13. You need Cooper Cup. A lot of good teams on by this week. So I think it's good that Cooper Cup looks like he's going to play this week. Could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse. Let's move on. Green Bay, Christian Watson leads the game in the first half with a concussion. Um, relevance in this, he's in the concussion protocol. Won't know much more. Tomorrow, Thursday practice is always the big day to look at. Yep. If you got a guy who is not able to participate at a full level, you got to be concerned. If you see full participant in a Thursday uh, injury report, you got to feel pretty good. So with that being said, we'll know more tomorrow about his availability this weekend. But that offense is struggling. He's struggling. His, his go-to play right now is fly sweep. So – it's it's been a mess there, but obviously we hope that he passes the concussion protocol and he's back in there this week. Yeah, I mean he's he's missed three games already. You know, thirty fourth overall pick out of North Dakota State. He's already got that going up against him in terms of question marks about the competition he faced in college. He's got eight catches for sixty four yards and no scores this year. And here we are heading into week nine. So. 
I think Green Bay Packers and their fans and Aaron Rodgers are certainly looking for a return on investment when it comes to the wide receiver position. You're just not getting it from Christian Watson. So, you know, I'm rooting for the guy. I hope he turns it around. I hope he figures it out. I'm certainly, you know, hope that at some point he can start to start to figure that out. But it's frustrating, man. You want to see a guy like Christian Watson get an opportunity to be healthy all season long and see where we're at, you know, nine game, not going into week nine. And, you know, he's put up, you know, 30 grabs and, you know, 400 yards so far with four touchdowns. And that just hasn't been the case for him. It hasn't been. But, you know, I don't know what's what's it is not just a fantasy football community that talks about it, but it's also just regular football. And that is there just seems to be such a level of impatience and allowing rookies to develop. So as a fantasy manager who had Christian Watson on many of his dynasty leagues, you know, Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere. He's going to be there for another two years. He just signed the extension. Uh, I'm not, I feel like, you know, they always used to talk about the we or the year three breakout. I haven't given up on Christian Watson yet. He still has the same athletic ability, still has the same athletic profile that made him the 34th pick. All right, moving on. New England, Devontae Parker suffers a knee injury. He's already been ruled out. Um, others, other than a big catch last week, he hasn't played a big role. Never, the, I mean, anyway. So I don't know how much this really affects too many fantasy managers. No, and I think the thing with Devontae Park when he got it traded, um, you know, to New England was going to be about the progression of Mac Jones going into year two. I think there was enough enough signs in Mac Jones' rookie year. You felt like if he could take the next step, you've got now. You replace Nikhil Harry with a Devontae Parker. You have Jacoby Myers, who's been reliable. You have Justin Henry and Jonu Smith. And there are some weapons. Ramondre Stevenson, what he can do in the passing game there. Um, you kind of hope that Devontae Parker would be a, another addition. But you just haven't seen Mac Jones play really well. We obviously had the Bailey Zappi situation. But, you know, it, it looks like it's just a knee sprain. So he may miss just this week. And that's it. But through eight games, he's only got 15 grabs for 300 yards and a touchdown. So we haven't seen the return on investment for Devontae Parker and anybody that's out there that was hoping that you could steal Devontae Parker late in your drafts and, and get some nice you know, return on investment. That certainly hasn't been there. No, but you're right, because you and I both were in a bunch of startup drafts this, or uh, startup drafts this summer. Um, yeah. And he wasn't being picked till rounds 15 and later. So as much as you're not getting a return on the investment, the investment most people had to make at this time. Small investment, much. yep. Correct. All right, moving on. New Orleans Saints running back Mark Ingram suffers a knee injury and has already been ruled out against Las Vegas. Uh, he's sharing the backfield with Kamara. Kamara had a great – Kamara looked like Kamara last week. You know, he was getting the ball out of the yeah. backfield in the passing game. Uh, you know, he had a three-touchdown game. So, as it relates to Mark Ingram, if you're going to get that type of performance from Kamara anyways, uh, you're probably not starting Mark Ingram nevertheless. No, it's a grade two MCL sprain. It looks like he's going to miss several weeks, so a minimum of three to four weeks with that, which is frustrating for Mark Inger, but he's well beyond that age apex for running backs, and you know somehow he's figured out a way in his early 30s to still be viable. But look at Dwayne Washington to jump in the RB2 role, but you know this is like early Zeke Elliott, right? It didn't matter who the RB2 was. He wasn't going to get enough touches to be relevant unless the RB1 goes down. So Dwayne Washington has no relevance whatsoever unless – Alvin Kamara suffers an injury, you know, early in the first quarter, and all of a sudden Dwayne Washington's thrust in there. He's just not going to get a lot of touches. He'll probably be Jordan Howard up, who he signed to the practice squad back early in October. 
probably bring Jordan Howard up from the practice squad to be that RB3 just in case they need him and you know, obviously get you some situations and short yardage and goal line work. But not, nothing really to report here, right? Mark Ingram's out. As long as Alvin Kamara is healthy, we should see continued volume. And hopefully he needs to get 20 to 25 touches for the Saints to be relevant every week. Yeah, I, I, you know, you talk about extending a career. The guy's had a hell of a career. Oh. He was former Heisman Trophy winner out of Alabama. And, uh, big trust. I think he's, yeah, big Yes, He's one of those guys that he's extended his career in a lot of ways just by his ability to, uh, you know, be such a great team player. Everybody absolutely loves him in the backfield. Uh, before we get into – Thursday night starting six. Let's go ahead and hit the questions. We get one from Daniel. Uh, Daniel, hey guys, would you trade Kenneth Walker for Mon Ra? Full PPR, got ETN Swift, Pierce Foreman, and AJ Brown, Lamb, Lazard, and Pickens. Uh, if you could, before we move on, I'll answer this question, but if this is a, um, is this dynasty or is this redraft? That's always going to be my first question. Uh, coach, I'm a little, I'm on the fence. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I am a value guy. And, and with that being said, I'm going to just look strictly at my rankings. Um, they're pretty close, but I think I'm leaning Kenneth Walker on this. And I, I'd rather, and then if you look at who he has at the receiver spot, I don't know how many receivers he has to start, uh, but he's got Brown, Lamb, Pickens, Lazard. Uh, you know, I kind of think well, I'm going to. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I'll assume it's dynasty just based on the fact that he's got George Pickens this late in the season. Um, again, it depends on how many people are in that league. But if you're looking at 12, 14, 16 team leagues, you can certainly see Pickens and redraft being a guy that's on a roster. But um, I'm a Kenneth Walker guy. Uh, it's part of my brand. I, I had the 1.01 and 1.02 in a couple different drafts uh, this year. And I took Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker at 1.02. So um, I go back to their profiles as prospects. Amonra St. Brown was not a highly, um, you know, his, his combine scores were not great. He was more of a guy that, you know, when he played at USC, that they weren't sure that his skill set would transfer to the NFL. He's obviously proven a lot of people wrong, but I will go back to prospect grade. If you can get a Kenneth Walker, um, even though it was five years at the college level, I, I love his skill set. I love what they're doing there. I think with Detroit, um, they're going to be right now in that C.J. Shroud and, 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 and uh, Bryce Young potential to get uh, Jared Goff's replacement. But in full PPR, even though Kenneth Walker, the argument was he does not have a big pass catcher coming out of college. My biggest thing was the offenses he played in at Georgia Tech and at Michigan State do not historically throw to the running back. The guy can look fluid and look natural catching passes, which I believe Kenneth Walker does. He's already going to beat what the catches he had through his college career probably this year. So I, I like Kenneth Walker here, even though I know you've got ETN, Swift, and Pierce already. Foreman, assuming it's Dynasty, um, is going to be a guy that, you know, after this year is probably not not fantasy relevant. I love Damian Pierce. I love DeAndre Swift. I love Travis ETM. You cannot have enough running backs, in my opinion. So if you can get Kenneth Walker, I love Brown, A.J. Brown. I love C.D. Lamb. Uh, I think Pickens is a guy that when they get a quarterback next year, I think Pickens – I was high on Pickens. So I'm good with your three receivers there. You can always pick up additional receivers on the wa waiver wire. It's easier to get receivers and running backs. So I would lean Kenneth Walker in this trade. I like that, and I'm in the same boat. All right, let's get to Carlito, Carlito's way. Carlito, he was I here last that. week. I love us. it. Carlito's way. I like way. it as well. Okay, and you look at him. All right, right off the bat, redraft 12 team. 
Should I drop Brian Robinson to put a claim in for Deion Jackson with the supposed, supposed new JT injury? B-Rab is just a stash for me right now. Okay. Um, I'll let you go first. My first thought is if B. Robinson isn't playing, do you need, are you going to have to play Deion Jackson this week if JT is out? Because if you're having to play that, I like that move. You can pick B. Rob up right back up next week. If it's anything like my league, I have drafted, I've cut players and then picked them right back up a week later. Just, I I get more information. I find out what I'm going to get out of Deion Jackson and it just allows me, you know, an opportunity to get a hold of a guy while he's hot. Yeah, hey, that's a great answer. And look, I'm a big Brian Robinson guy. I liked him coming out. I felt like he was loyal to his university. He could have easily transferred his sophomore, junior year and been the guy a year or two ahead of when he was. Um, I think the talent is there. I could care less about the age. I'm looking three to five years out in fantasy anyway, and he certainly could be fantasy relevant for the next three to five years. So I love the story of Brian Robinson. We have not seen great efficiency right now. Um, so I would lean Deion Jackson right now, um, in redraft because I think he's the clear RB two there. Antonio Gibson over the last two to three weeks is starting to get more and more snap shares. He's getting more involved. He's replacing JD McKissick in the passing game. I feel like Antonio Gibson is finally getting, I think the touches that he deserves to get. I think he's more explosive than Brian Robinson. This is Brian Robinson, Zeke Elliott, Antonio Gibson, Tony Pollard, in my opinion, right? So I think for me in this one, I like Deion Jackson rest of season because he's a clear RB2. Naheem Hines is gone. If JT has an injury that lingers for any length of time, Deion Jackson's already proven in the one game he was the RB1 that he can be productive. So I would lean Deion Jackson here. Great. All right. Hey, thank you once again, Carlito. Send him anytime. Great question. Hey, let's, get, let's get into Thursday night, start set. We've got uh, – it doesn't look like uh, – we're probably going to watch the uh, World Series tomorrow. And not this game, but nevertheless, we got the powerful Philadelphia Eagles at seven and zero at Houston one five and one. Let's jump into the start and sit players for Philadelphia. Uh, their Philadelphia offense is averaging 394, 395 yards a game. Uh, they're passing for two hundred forty five and rushing for one hundred forty nine. Defensively, Houston uh, they're one of the worst in the league with four hundred four hundred three yards given up. They gave up 217 yards passing and a whopping 186 yards rushing. Despite all the yards they're giving up, I was surprised to hear or see that they're only, uh, you know, giving up 22 points a game. With that being said, Philadelphia in the skilled position, they don't have any players out. The players they do have out are defense alignment. Mr. Davis out of Georgia, um, but that obviously doesn't affect Philadelphia's offense. So with that being said, who do you like? Who are we starting for Philadelphia this week, Coach? So there's a couple interesting twists here. Like so, sometimes you look at rosters and you say, okay, A.J. AJ Brown's a clear, clearly must play. So if you dive into a little bit deeper and you look at what Houston does defensively, first off, Jalen Hurts is your QB2 in fantasy points per game behind only Josh Allen. But Houston plays 85% of their coverage snaps in zone at the corner position. Hurts is third in completion rate and second in pass rating against zone coverage this year. Um, he's got 1,800 yards passing, 67% completion rate, 10 touchdowns, and just two picks. And he's pacing for over almost 750 yards rushing. Jalen Hurts is a clear must start. I think that's obvious, but I want to give you guys a little bit of data that backs that up. Now, if you go down to Miles Sanders at the running back position, he's got a 49% rush share. 
18 red zone opportunities. That's a big one because last year that wasn't the case. He was splitting goal line work, and it was frustrating to see Jordan Howard and Boston Scott over the years take away some of those red zone touches and Jalen Hurts, what he can do in the red zone. He's got 18 red zone opportunities. Um, he's averaging 18 touches per game. He's the RB17 in fantasy points per game, and Houston gives up the most fantasy points to running backs this season, including the second most rushing touchdowns. Miles Sanders is an absolute must start. So here's where it gets interesting for me. You talk about the wide receivers, right? So Jalen Hurts is a must start. We must like the passing game. We do. But I think what's a little bit different, and people need to understand, we take a deeper dive, is A.J. Brown had a massive week last week. 11 targets, 6 grabs, over 150 yards, and 3 touchdowns. He's a wide wide receiver 7 in fantasy points per game. He's on pace for career highs in targets, receptions, yards, and touchdowns. We get it. But against zone coverage, which again, Houston does 85% of the time, he's 24th in yards per route run and 37th in PFF receiving grade, where he excels is against man coverage, press coverage, and even in double team coverage, according to reception perception. But Devontae Smith, that's your zone beater. That's the guy that's a lead against zone coverage, could be a wide receiver one this week. Fantasy pros, consensus rankings, or expert rankings has been wide receiver 24 or low-end RB2, but I'm telling you, I think he's got RB1 upside, or wide receiver one upside. I keep saying RB, wide receiver one upside. (laughs) 65.3% of his targets are against zone coverage versus 35% for A.J. Brown. That tells you right there, Jalen Hurts, and the way they're going to scheme this is, hey, we're going to take our best guy against zone coverage who has double the amount of targets as our wide receiver one, that's probably the guy we're looking at in this game. He's 13th in yards per route run and 9th in PFF receiving grade against zone coverage. So look for Devontae Smith to have a big week this week. If you go tight end, Dallas Goddard, he's tight end eight on the season. This has not been a great year for tight ends. There's a massive drop off after the first few guys. Uh, but he has been targeted six or more times in five out of the last seven. He's collecting five or more grabs in four out of the last seven. He's on pace for career highs as well. But what's interesting in this game, he's no red zone targets on the season. And Houston has been tough against tight ends. Their eighth fewest yards allowed against the tight end position and the 12th lowest fantasy points per game. So he's not a must start for me this week. So if you have, um, you know, a top three or four tight end based on preseason rankings, you're probably playing those guys over Dallas Goddard this week. But most guys are not going to have those guys and Dallas Goddard. So if you have them, you're probably playing them. You're you're. Well, 98% of the people are playing everybody you just mentioned. They look at matchup and they look at what those guys have done. Let's move on to where dive, though, you know? Yeah, I loved it. It was awesome. And I'm excited for Devontae Smith this week because um, I saw a tweet just a few days ago where someone goes, I thought this guy was supposed to be a wide receiver one. Um, and, And for whatever reason, it doesn't matter to me. But, you know, I'm excited to see if he can have a good game. Let's move on to the other side of the ball where you're not going to see much. This is complete opposite. Whereas we could have just had this show and say, hey, if you got these guys on your team, there's likely no one better on your team that you can start. So start anyone who plays for Philadelphia. Well, the opposite can be said. If you have anybody you can start on any over anybody on Houston, you probably want to do it this week. Houston offense is averaging 288 yards a game. They're only passing for 196.3, uh, rushing for 92.4, and scoring only 16 points a game. Um, defensively for Philadelphia, they're giving up 298 yards a game. Passing-wise, they're only giving up 183, rushing 114, and 16.9 points a game. 
When you talk about people that are out, we know for sure that Nico Collins is out this week. And we yeah. know that Brandon Cooks, since, I mean, if you follow the trade deadline, one of the first tweets I saw early on was, Brandon Cooks is not at practice today. And then today it was followed with, Brandon Cooks did not practice today. Tomorrow, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't feel very good. He is the only guy that I feel like is startable, and he hasn't even been very Brandon Cookish like this year. Yeah, and I think what we'll do is we'll, tra- we'll get to quarterback and running back position in a, in a minute. But since you brought up Brandon Cooks, I think it's a nice segue. Um, I did not think Brandon Cooks was going to be Houston Texan after yesterday. I thought for sure this is a guy, based on his age and time in with that organization, doing all the right things, saying all the right things, being a team guy, you would recognize that you're in a rebuild situation. Give Brandon Cooks an opportunity to catch on somewhere, whether it's Green Bay, it's Dallas, whatever. Um, I'm shocked he's still there. I mean, he took to social media yesterday, and basically the quote was, don't take a man's kindness for granted. I covered for the lies. Into, to, wait, I covered for the lies for too long. Those days are done. Cross the line with playing with my career. That, to me, tells you everything you need to know. Um, and, and Philly, even if he was playing and this situation wasn't happening and he was happy being in Houston, Philly plays heavy zone, and Cooks is 35th in PFF receiving grade and 33rd in yards per route run against zone. He's a wide receiver three, low-end wide receiver three against this defense. It's not a good matchup against Darius Slay and James Bradbury, who had one of the best one-two combos. 50% of the time, he lands up, lines up outside. So if that means he's lining up outside 50% of the time, that means 50% of the time he's against the top two, top two corner duo on the NFL. So I don't technically like Brandon Cooks this week. I do like... Damian Pierce. Um, he's averaging 23 touches per game, 104 total yards since week three. He's 12th in yards yards after contact per attempt, second in missed tackles forced, and fifth in PFF elusive rating. And with Jordan Davis out, I like him. He's become a three-down back. He's kind of eliminated the Rex Burkhead role. He's three or more receptions in four straight games with 57% route participation. Route participation. I have such a hard time with that word. Uh, last week, we could make bloopers out of me just trying oh, to. You know, I'll there, tell you what, I was just laughing at you, and I was he's so, the guy. Anytime we have to talk about the Miami Dolphins, I'm I, I purposely make sure it's you. About I make sure it's you who has to say that, not me. All right, sorry about that. Anyone else? We're going to start if we're not going to. So, we're going to start Damien Pierce, and that's yeah. about it. And that's depending on again. Who your other running backs are, obviously in dynasty, making trades, getting draft capital, you could have four or five studs at running back, and he may not see your lineup this week because of who he's facing. But you know, if you've got a flex spot, you need running backs because there's six teams on by. I have no issues playing Damian Pierce against Philadelphia. They've struggled against the run over the last three weeks. Coach, I appreciate you as always. Great show. What's the hat you got on there? Is that a P? Is that an R? What do we got? So I don't know if you can see this or not. But this is me. These these nostalgic moments. I got my University of Redlands sweater on. There you go. Right, and I've got my Redlands hat on. My uh, uh, Bulldogs. My camouflage hat on that I picked up when I went and talked to the head coach over there. If you guys don't know, that's where I played collegiately. I got a chance to meet the new head coach a couple times and got this hat from him. So I told him I'd give him a shout out on the show and and wear the Redlands gear tonight. There you go. You got. So there you go. Uh, you know, it's funny. I played in that stadium in high school. Uh, 
I went to Antelope Valley High School and we played yeah. uh, Redlands High School all throughout the 80s. And good it was program one of the back most then. Exciting... Say that again. Redlands was a good program in the uh, mid to late 90s. It was. It was. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it was, it was always fun to, you know, tell people, hey, we're going to play at the University of Redlands. And to walk out there in a, a college stadium, it was a hell of a lot of fun. So I can imagine you had a great time playing college ball there. Uh, an a- absolute blast, man. Best four years of my life. For sure. Coach, great show. Appreciate all the work you do for it. And uh, Sunday morning, everybody, we'll be on at 8.30. We go over every matchup. We go over every start and sit that you could possibly need. We take questions. Um, and that is on YouTube. Our uh, Wednesday show is on YouTube, but it's also can be heard um, through uh, Spotify. podcast, Spotify, Apple, Anchor. So we appreciate the comments. Please keep coming. And uh, We hope you guys have nothing but success with your fantasy teams this week. Thanks a lot, Coach, and uh, we'll see you Sunday morning. Good luck, everybody.